0: Well, I meant that blessed time of life where I have little grandchildren running around, and let me tell you, if you're not there yet, you have got some good stuff to look forward to. My little granddaughters, uh, uh, you know, had the, had the advantage. Their mom taught them sign language before they could speak, and one of the uh, the, the the signs, I suppose, was for more. You ever see that? We got a lot of that going on in the house, (laughs) especially when the ice cream comes out, you know? (sighs) And those little girls, they ask, Mom, give me ice cream, ice cream, you know? Mom says, no. So they go to Grandma. (laughs) And as you would suspect, rarely is Grandma saying no. But when she does, off they march off to Papa. They don't even ask Papa. They just go, Papa. (laughs) And I am the weak link. It doesn't take long on this earth to know that if you want something or need something, one of the best strategies is to ask. I have married a beautiful, wonderful lady. And you know how I did it? I asked. I asked. It started with a hi. (laughs) (laughs) You want to sit by me? (laughs) And she did. Ask. Good. Look at some parables about asking. A people on a date talking about prayer here so zoom in with me in verse 1 here where we're going to look at uh, really uh, there's just two parables here and again there's there's a warning here we're going to read this and and likely you will read this and go well, what does this mean does this mean this and it doesn't so let's dive in and get to it here okay our first parable is a lesson In persistent prayer. In other words, how to get an answer from God. And you will notice first that Jesus, according to the book of Haddon Robinson on biblical preaching, begins his sermon with a homiletical proposition. What's a homiletical proposition? They have a nickname. They're called the big idea. When you study the Bible, when you study it in sections, whether it's a chapter or a paragraph, when you're done, you ought to ask two questions. First question is, what is he talking about? Okay? I mean, really, that makes sense. What does this mean? What is, what, is it, what is being said? And then the second question is this. What is he saying about what he's talking about? And here, Jesus lays it out for us here. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So we already know what this is about. Big advantage, right? Even though we know, it still can get rough here. But you'll notice here in verse 2 as he begins to tell this, and it starts to, to get a little weird here, this confusing parable. And it, is, it, 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 it lays out the problem of an unjust judge. He said, this is Jesus, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. Oh, what a nice guy, huh? And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary." And verse 4 says uh, the, the problem of this unjust judge was solved by persistency. Persistency of this, this, this widow broke through on this guy. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll give her justice so she will not beat me down by her continual coming. See what I mean? Is this parable saying that if we drive God crazy, eventually he'll give us what we want? Kind of reads like that, doesn't it? It's not what it means, though. And fortunately for us, Jesus interprets this parable. Before we move on to that, let's just pause for a moment for some self-reflection here. Let's, let's, uh, Let's talk about your prayer life for a moment. What kind of things do you pray about? A lot of things can turn into routine. A routine that we learned maybe a long time ago. We heard somebody else pray that way and we adopted that because it sounded good and it sounded like we ought to do that. And, and then we kind of whip through that prayer, you know, and then we get on to the rest of our day or into the meal or whatever else, you know. That's the kind of thing that causes people to stand up at conferences and say, let's pray. And they pray this grand and glorious prayer and then thank God for their food, amen or well, any food, we're just at a conference, but you know what? It, it kind of betrays a little bit of their prayer life, a little bit routine, and this is how we do it. And in Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Starts the same, ends the same, awfully familiar in between. Now, I ask you this, who else do you talk to like that? What's your prayer life like, friend? Is it just over and over and over and over and over and over again? I mean, that, that, that's the prayer life of a toddler over and over and over again. There's no maturity in that. Prayer. Persistence. Hmm. Well, Look at here in verse 6. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. Now again, it sounds like Jesus saying, see, that's a way to get what you want from God. Just keep bugging him about it. But this is an argument from the lesser to the greater. If even this miserable, no good, unrighteous judge who cares nothing about anyone else will give you what you want, how much more God Take a look. And will not God, verse 7, give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus, it sounded like he just changed subjects there, didn't it? When I mean, we were talking about prayer, now he's talking about faith, or did he? Or is prayer perhaps the most obvious expression of faith? If I want to know about your faith in God, I would ask about your prayer life." You see, we've been commanded to pray, right? I mean, Jesus, when he taught the Lord's prayer, he says, "When you pray, the expectation is that the people of God are people of prayer. And what are the most unusual thing is Melanie and I we we think, you know, how do we influence our grandchildren, you know, to trust in God? Well, one of the greatest ways to display faith is through prayer. How do you model that? I mean, think about it. Prayer to to someone outside of faith who knows nothing about a relationship with God says, what are you doing? Are you mumbling to yourself? You know, or as pastors like to call it, rubbing eyebrows. (laughs) What, have you been in the lunchroom rubbing your eyebrows? (laughs) (laughs) So nobody thinks you're crazy. You're talking to someone you've never seen. You have this belief that there is a God, that that God wants to hear your prayers to him he hears them and he will answer that's faith that's faith but the concern on jesus mind is will there even be any faith when i come back anybody out there still praying anybody just give up on that and seem to do anything anyway hmm and so our first parable was a lesson in persistence. Keep praying. Don't give up. Keep praying. Yes, but I've been praying, keep praying. God honors faith. The fact that you keep praying honors him. But know this, he knows your prayer. He hears them, knows every single one of them. And you know what? Sometimes he doesn't answer your prayer, and I have no explanation for that. Sometimes it's later. You know, we, we go through the same thing. Sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's not yet. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's this. Hey, why don't you take a look at your life first before you start asking for stuff? I've asked you to let go of that sin, and yet you keep holding on. But you want more resources from heaven for what? Why don't you ask God why he's not answering your prayer? More prayer. Persistence. Absolutely necessary, my friends. Not because God can't hear you, but God is worthy of it. Persistence. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he even find faith on the earth? I love that tone. (laughs) And here we are in verse 9, and we transition to another parable. But along the same line, my friends, because this parable is a lesson in humble prayer. Now, we have a new aspect. There is persistence and humility. And this one answers the question, how to find forgiveness from God. And now here in verse 9, Jesus tells us the audience. Who are the people that are listening to this? Well, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. self righteous people who evaluated themselves wrongly. They would look around the room and say, well, I'm better than that one. (laughs) Well, I'm more mature than she is. I know a lot more Bible than that guy. And if you do that, you will absolutely convince yourself that you are the big cheese on campus. That you have got it all together, but you're comparing yourself to the wrong person. But that's what these people did. Look at here. Look at here. And again, tricky parable here. We have this misleading parable. The parable, it begins with a prayer of a self-righteous Pharisee. Jesus says in verse 10, two men went up to the temple to pray. That's pretty good, right? One of them was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, the uh, image that he's setting up here is two extremes. On the one side, you've got this Pharisee. And this Pharisee, I mean, he has studied the, the Scriptures. He knows the Old Testament and the law, and he has taught it. I mean, he has got his stuff together. He dresses just right. They wore the law, and they had the phylacteries. I mean, they, you know, this, this prayer cloth that they wore. I mean, they, they had it all together. They made sure that it was absolutely clear that they were better than you. Look at me. Look at me. You are nothing compared to me. And that's exactly what this dude thought. I mean, take a look the other side, of course, we've got this tax collector. And we've talked about this. You know, that, that Rome, they actually uh, they, uh, auctioned off these rolls, the, the, this, this uh, position of collecting taxes. And, and people would, uh, would auction, you know, make bids on that. Well, I'll give you this much. And, and, and they could collect as much as they want. And nobody got to know how much they were supposed to collect so they could come after you. They were, they were pretty wicked dudes. Despicable. You see, it's clear here. One's a good guy, one's a bad guy, right? Yeah. Let's see how that works out. Hmm. So two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, and the other a tax collector. Now the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus. There's another prayer you can imitate if you are of the sort. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even, even like this, this smelly tax collector. Okay, it doesn't say that, but he probably thought that. I fast twice a week. Now The law required fasting one, one time a year. This dude, twice a week. I mean, he is is a rocket, isn't he? I mean, this guy is an overachiever. So I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. This is the guy we want to be an elder at Family Bible Church. He obviously is practicing these spiritual disciplines. He's a leader in the community. This is the guy we like. Not this rotten, horrible tax collector, man. But the tax collector, standing far off, hidden in a corner somewhere, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Oh, what kind of lame prayer is that? Well, no wonder he's in the corner. Who wants to hear that kind of prayer? And I'll tell you this, God does. And here in verse 14, yet once again, we have an interpretation of this parable. And Jesus says, I tell you, this man... This man went down to his house justified rather than this guy. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Humble. What is humility? What is humility in your mind? Humility. Is that Is that when you say, oh, my soup's no good. I mean, I put the extra love in it, though, you know, but it's no good. That's false humility. Oh, no, not me. You know, you've seen it. And a lot of times that's produced by people who are just uncomfortable with attention. But some people, it's just another opportunity for everybody to take another look at them. And get, oh, no, your soup is the best soup. It's the best, really. Come on. You know, you know those people. Stop hating those people. Stop judging those people. We're all struggling with sin. Now, I ask you this, which one are you? I mean, have you identified yourself in this parable? Because every one of these parables is told that you might take a look and say, Hey, where, where am I lining up? Is this what your prayers look like over here or over here? Because I know the ones that Jesus favored and the ones that Jesus answered were over here given in humility. Doesn't seem right, does it? I mean, this dude's all religious. He's given his whole life to Religion. This guy's a horrible, rotten person who's cheated people out of their money. He's a thief. But he humbled himself to see yourself as you really are. And then add some. Because the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. You think you knew your heart? You don't know, but Jesus said, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So in light of this account, and you've heard this before, but it's so good, if this guy had prayed like this guy, he might have walked out like this guy. That make any sense? That pride. Jesus says you walk in like this, you're going to walk out like this. But if you walk, out, walk in like this, humbled, seeking God's mercy, not a parade. You can walk out clean, forgiven, righteous before God. And I'll tell you what, it makes it a lot easier for God to hear your prayer when He doesn't have to dig through all of your pride to get to it. Humble yourself. Persistent, humble prayer. There's none righteous, my friend. There are no good men, and there are no good women. There are only good choices. And we honor people by their choices. You and I, all of us alike, are detestable people. You know how I say that? That's what the scripture says. A heart its wicked, sinful, desiring things. We've got this sin nature that craves rebellion against God. Hmm. We need to humble ourselves and see ourselves as we are. That's the starting place, my friend. And anyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. James wrote about that in James chapter 4, verses 6 to 10. He says, But he gives more grace, therefore, it says, God opposes the proud gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you and draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep, and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. So it sounds to me like it's possible we've gotten this whole prayer thing wrong. I have some friends from high school that I still keep in touch with. One of them says to me, he says, you... You pastors, you've got it made. it's a good day, you can go do some visits, maybe get some studying. And if it's not, you can roll over in bed and say your prayers, which tells me two things about this guy. He knows nothing about ministry and even less about prayer because you don't roll over in bed and say your prayers. We need to learn a whole lot more about prayer, my friends. Prayer is not something we do flippantly, carelessly, thoughtlessly, redundantly. Humble yourselves before God and keep on praying. Sermon in a sentence is as simple as this. If you want something from God, ask him. If you wonder, why God has never, I ask you this, have you ever asked him? Not every prayer is a yes, because not every prayer is to the glory of God. Before God signs the check of yes, the question is, how does this build my kingdom? How does this bring glory to the name of Christ? How does this build up my church? How does this encourage the saints? How does it work? I want something from God asking. Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11 says, Ask. This is Jesus teaching about prayer. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek. And you will find, knock, and it will be opened to you. This, this feeling of persistence. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which of you, if your son asks him for bread, will they give him a stone? Papa, can I have some bread? He has a rock. What kind of miserable person does that? Or if he asks for fish, will you give him a snake? If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And so I tell you, ask persistently. Why? Because Jesus said so. Ask in humility the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. Suddenly we know who we are. We are not God. There is a God, but you are not him. Hallowed be your name. How does what I am about to ask for honor him? Some questions to ask. Ask persistently, ask in humility, but ask expectantly. That is the faith that there is a Father in heaven who loves you, who cares about you. When you ask for bread, he will not give you a stone. James chapter one, verse five. If any of you last wisdom... Well, let him ask God. He gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. For he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways, ask in faith. Ask persistently. Ask humbly. And ask in faith.